DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Corbin Kafusi, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, a former BYU Cougar. Corbin, good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Corbin, you may not know this, but you are joining us. On the Smart Rain guest line, it's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. I am curious uh, what a long, strange trip you have found professional sports. <laughs> it, it has been a long, strange trip. So now you're with the Niners, and we remember you as on the defensive side, and now you are on the offensive side trying to make it as an offensive lineman. What have you had to have done as far as technique to your body, all that stuff, the difference between being on one side of the ball and now being on the other? Oh, you know, it's been a complete overhaul, to be honest. You know, body-wise, you know, I came in, when I first came into NFL as a defensive lineman, I was probably 270, 275, and now I'm around 330. I've been up to 350 before, so that was an overhaul. Technique is completely different. You know, offense is just a whole different side of the game, and so learning that has been, you know, it's it's been hard, but it's been really good. So how did this how did this happen? It seems like pretty late in your career to have what seems to me a radical change. You know, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just up in the night. How did this all play out for you? Yeah. So um, I was actually recruited to BYU to play offensive line, and so my first spring ball at BYU before I went on my my uh, service mission, I did as an offensive lineman because that's where my dad always wanted me to play. He's like, oh, it's better longevity and stuff, and so. It was never something that came out of the blue totally, but you know I ended up playing D line, and then when I got it, after I got waived by the Saints, I was just working out, and my uh, my agent was like, you know, some teams would love to see you at offensive tackle, and I was like, oh okay, you know, I had never really thought about going back to it, but I kind of shrugged it off, and then after a little bit, I was like, you know, I'll whatever it takes to play, you know, I just love the game, so. Whatever it takes. So the average American male, I think, is like five nine. So nobody can relate, or most folks cannot relate to someone who is like you, six nine. Two seventy five is enormous just for guys like us. And then they ask you to put on basically fifty to seventy five pounds. It just seems so outrageous. What does a person need to do? who already weighs 275 to put on that extra weight in order to play that. How do you go about that? Yeah, to be honest, it's just you have to have discipline in your eating. And you think it's almost the opposite where it's like, oh, you don't have to have discipline at all because you're just going to eat everything. But (laughs) it takes a very strict schedule of eating to to gain weight the way you want to. So I've heard people who've had to do that, and then Thurl Bailey uh, burned calories at a stunning amount, and he always said they were always on him to eat, to keep his weight up. You know, playing basketball, he just burned through so many calories, and his natural metabolism did it. He said it became a chore. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't something he looked forward to. It was, it was kind of work in a way. Is that how you find eating now? Do you, do you enjoy it, or is this like, this is like going to work? Oh, well, it's now, like, my body's kind of used to it, so I don't have to, like, 
continue to keep crazy amounts of calories. But yeah, when your metabolism isn't quite there yet and it's still just burning everything, you know, when you're at a lighter weight, oh, eating becomes the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And I remember, luckily I had some experience with this when I went from basketball to football at BYU because I gained 40 pounds within that window. And, you know, I would always take these meals to classes and everyone would be like, wow, he's eating these nice meals during class. And I'm like <laughs> sitting there almost like tearing up because this is the fifth time I've eaten the exact same food and it just has no taste to me at all and it's just you don't want to eat it but you have to so it's definitely a chore and it's work so why the Niners uh, you know the Niners I'm I just like one their offense they have a great offense I love Kyle Shanahan and everything he's done there and just I think it kind of fits my skill set you know they love to run off the ball their their tackles are offensive line and just great athletes and so I thought it would be a great fit for me. So why do people see you as an offensive lineman? Whether it was your dad or whether it's these NFL teams, is it is it partly your size and your wingspan? Would you be avail- Would you be able just to push that rusher around the edge and send him looping twenty yards behind the quarterback? Yeah, to be honest, it's definitely that. It's the the physical traits. So I have these these long arms, you know, and you know from playing basketball and stuff. The footwork's there as well, and so it's just being able to put those all together is what you kind of look for in offensive linemen. And I I won't lie, when I was a defensive lineman, I didn't give credit to the offensive line because you know you're just trying to beat them. But being on the other side now, I'm like these guys are freaky athletes. You know, to be the size that they are. And to do what you have to do as an offensive lineman, like you're the only two people on the field that work backwards are offensive linemen and defensive backs. And it takes an extreme amount of athleticism. And so, yeah, I, I was just grateful that I found a position that really you know, complements the, the natural gifts and talents I've been given. So last summer we had the COVID thing and it's still around, but last summer obviously was at the height. What's different as far as training and all that stuff and what you're going to expect when you get to camp as far as last year versus this year? I think already it's already been huge difference. I was able to go out to San Francisco and we had basically a full OTAs out there. You know, some teams were didn't meet up. Some did a few weeks, whereas like I was out in San Francisco for 10 weeks and it was great to be with the guys on the team. We had almost the entire team out there. And so working with them, getting to know guys, getting to actually walk through play, like it already feels way better than it did last year. It feels way more normal. And so going to training camp, I'm just excited because, you know, it's going to have that normal feeling again and we're going to get preseason games. So I'm excited. So what is the number one thing you have to do to make the roster, to get onto the field? What what are they pushing yet? I think, you know, they're, there's definitely a lot of different things they're probably going to be looking for, but I think for me, it's it's going to be looking natural as I play. You know, when you're making a transition between positions, there's always that learning curve, and you know, you look at guys and you can be like, okay, like he's still learning the position. And for me, I want to go in there and have have them not even think that I switched positions. You know, I just want it to look natural. Be like, oh, this guy can play. Like this guy plays offensive line instead of it being, uh, oh, like, you know, he needs to keep developing. So that's my goal. 
So you mentioned your father, Steve. Now everybody knows, or most people know, that he's a longtime coach at BYU, and then I think that before that at Utah. Uh, he stepped away a couple years ago. How's he spending his time these days? You know, he's good. He's uh, just finding other things to do, whether it be business, and he, he still does a little bit of training on the side for for uh, young kids or anyone that wants it. So that's all. it's kind of fun to see him get his, his fix in, his football fix. And so, yeah, he's just kind of keeping himself busy in those ways. You know, the name Kafusi for uh, generations of fans, both Utes and Cougars, it has resonated. Are there more Kafusis on the way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I've got, of course, tons of cousins and whatnot. And then, like, even my, my brother's kids, and my, my little sister just had a baby boy. That's the, the further down the road generation. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely good, there's always going to be Kafusis yeah. coming in. <laughs> That's for sure. So your one brother, Devin, went to BYU, and now he's at Utah. And you guys played, you and your brother played at BYU. So September 11th is the game. Where are your loyalties going to be? <laughs> you know, family first, of course. So, you know, I, I love BYU, and I had a great opportunity there, but definitely going to have to support Dev. And so it's, it's almost like, yes, it's hard, but it's also a win-win where it's like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm glad when each team does well because I have different reasons for them. And, uh, you know, we were so excited when Devin transferred because we knew that was going to be the best thing for him. So I'm excited to see how he does. I always figure with Kafusis, there's both red and blue in the co- closet. It's just like shape-shifting or something. And you, yeah. you know, the, the Kafusis, <laughs> they, they are just comfortable. You, you'd make great spies. <laughs> no, it's true. I won't lie, though. Growing up, we had some awkward family reunions. <laughs> half of us were blue and half of our family were red and just a lot of tension in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the Coveys now with uh, with Britain playing for uh, Utah. They have those BYU ties, but they have a, a they literally have blood on the Utah team. So I think you got to go in that direction at least for the short term, anyway, right? Oh, absolutely! And it's so funny because Britain's older brother was one of my best friends growing up, and I watched BYU games at his house every single week. And so, like to see them in red, I'm like, okay, like. <laughs> You know what? That's that's what it takes. If the family's there, you got to stick with your family. Yeah, I agree. So you got you got Britain stories. Uh, we've we've heard a bunch of them. He's told some on himself. He's hilarious in interviews. You got Britain stories. <laughs> is him as a little ten year old running around the house or something? Oh my gosh, Britty was the he's like the entertainer of his family, and so like he's the one. Oh my gosh! Like literally, everything we do, we'd always make pretty do because he wanted to so like we'd have him go into restaurants and just do these crazy dumb things and he had no fear doing it like you know he had no he had no problem going in and just looking super awkward or super weird and that's what we loved about it was like he just had no fear in doing these things for a good laugh so we, we touched on the Kafusi name. You know, it's a household name in football in the state of Utah, obviously. And it's been that way for a number of years. And then when you factor in your uh, your dad's uh, brothers and, their, as you say, their cousins, and the name isn't going to be dying out anytime soon. And so then we have that the situation here where we saw that college players can make money off of whether it be their name, likeness, and image, and they're calling it and all that stuff. Uh, so the, my, my thought for you is 
that you guys are such big names in the state and another Kafusi's rolling off the assembly line. They have already got the name built in into the community. Do you think that, and your time has passed, so it won't be for you, but going forward, do you think that people, your cousins, whoever they might be, or nieces and nephews down the line, you think that that can maybe help them with name identity to maybe make some extra money there off the name of Kafusi since it's such a big name in our community? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm so glad that they finally passed that with, you know, NIL stuff because, the the window you know to capitalize on these things sometimes is big sometimes it's small but if there is a window you got to capitalize on it and so i'm excited for my cousins and anyone else that can to capitalize because i think there's just such an opportunity there and i think it's definitely there for them to take where you know when i like you said my time came and passed but it would have been nice to have that as an option to you know whether to help myself or the future to even help my family even more it just opens up a lot more doors and i think there's a lot more opportunity so as long as we're talking uh, image and likeness we got the name down the kafusi name very recognizable but i got to admit as i look at a bunch of photos here on, on my computer i might have picked you out as a saint you got the beard going at this point you're not the clean shaven guy we saw at byu but the jet shot with the hair down the shoulders you totally i would have walked by i would have walked by you and i wouldn't have known so what yeah. what's the niner look what are you going for oh well it's funny you ask because you know, I as soon as I finished that, even yeah, as soon as I finished that BYU, I hadn't cut my hair since. What? And then yeah, and then once my, <laughs> the whole I was allowed to grow a beard, I was like, you know, I can grow a beard. Like I got a pretty decent amount of like my beard grows in pretty thick, and so I grew out a beard. And I, I you know, switching the offensive line, I kind of wanted that rugged, almost Viking look, <laughs> and so I had hair down past my shoulders, big old beard, and just. Actually, last week, I decided, you know what, I'm going to change it up. It's about time for me to clean up the look. And so I cut off all my hair and shaved my beard down. Like, so now it's just scruff. But, yeah, now the, the Niner look is, is definitely like a clean-cut business look. So you're going to stay with that or are you going to let it grow again? You know, I think for now I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, I might, I might let it grow again, but who knows. But for now, I'm like... Ooh, I'm ex- I kind of have this feeling where it's all it's all business right now. All right. Well, you reserve the right to change your mind at all times. Go with, <laughs> go with a new yeah. look, you know. You get that feeling one day, and you just change everything. So you I'm, I'm exactly. going to post the I'm going to post the three different uh, photos on Twitter and let people see all these looks. Back to that whole spy <laughs> thing. You got a whole nother career if you want it. You may not want it, but if you do, a six nine guy being a spy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> All right, well, Corbin, we will follow you. Uh, and and Jake, our producer, Yak, is a huge Niner fan. So basically, if there is even a trickle of news, we hear all about it. So uh, good luck to you in the coming season, and we'll see how this plays out for you now on the O-line. Clean-cut business look. Yes, sir. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Gobert in on Durant. Nearly traveled. Hustling rebound. Over to Fournier. And he hits. 
seven seconds here. Lillard puts it up. Holiday, no, and that will do it. So France has beaten the United States in the first game in Pool A. Final score, 83 to 76. Um, you know, I think it's a group effort. You know, you, you always got somebody like Kevin Durant and, and Draymond Green who I've been in this position before. I've been to the, I mean, the finals plenty of times and uh, been in situations like this. So, but we, we also have a team who's been through a lot of adversity. And I feel like we all kind of feel the disappointment and, and we all want to get back out there and, and play and prove ourselves and prove how good of a team we could be. That's Drew Holiday talking about the United States losing to France, 83-76. Some people can tell you what happened. Other people can tell you what's going to happen. Ever heard that before, Yak? I think I'll borrow it right now. Evan Fournier, the legend, goes for 28 points. And let's face it, the USA got out-hustled down the stretch. They got out-shot down the stretch. They had the lead at halftime. Durant got in foul trouble in the third quarter, and they went from eight points up to six points down. It was a bad third quarter. But in the fourth quarter... USA was back in charge. They were up by seven in those final four or five minutes. All France, a 16-2 run. Gobert had 14 points, nine rebounds, but to play the game, he drove and threw this awkward-looking shot, and he missed, and a rebound got tipped out into the corner. But one team ran after the ball and made a diving save, and the other team watched while Fournier drained a three. And that was that. Now, it's group play. It's a very forgiving format. You get three games in pool play here. And at least two and maybe three teams are going to make it out of the group. So look for the U.S. to blow out Iran on Wednesday. They're way better. Iran doesn't have all the pros, obviously, that France has. Uh, Nicholas Batum's also on that team. A lot of NBA guys on that team. And this could be the one where the tiebreaker can come down to a margin of victory in your three games. What's your plus-minus as a group? So, look for the USA to run them off the floor Wednesday. And, of course, it's on Peacock behind a paywall, so... If you have Comcast, though, you're good to go. You get Peacock with Comcast because it's owned by the same people. Luka Doncic goes for 48 points in Slovenia's 118-100 win over Argentina, tied for the second-highest in Olympic history. So there you go. Olympic basketball. We'll see if the USA can. Well, they ought to get it together Wednesday. That's not the real test. Saturday when they play the Czech Republic, that'll decide uh, if they're sweating it out or if they're advancing easily. 8 of the 12 advance, so they're in pretty good shape there. Pelicans officially announced hiring a Phoenix Suns assistant. Willie Green is their new head coach. He also worked with the Warriors as an assistant. So counting on that pedigree. Warriors, Suns had a lot of success. Good to be with the Suns this past year. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. You know, just having a year I had last year, don't really need more motivation than that. And, uh, you know, I just know the type of player I am, and uh, I don't think I I showed that last year. And so, you know, I got a lot to prove. Um, So, you know what I mean? I just made sure I didn't leave any any doubt out there that that, uh, I didn't do as much as I, I needed to do. That's Ezekiel Elliott. He did not have as good a year statistically a year ago. Now, there are reasons for that. There's a couple theories floating around. One, he's now taking a lot of punishment in the NFL, and he's slowing down a little bit. That's not the one he likes. I think the one he likes is 
Hey, they're going to have Dak Prescott back, and defenses won't be loaded up to stop him. He ran for 979 yards, which is not, not a bad total, but he'd averaged 1,400 yards the two years before that. And, of course, his rookie year, he had a 1,600-yard season. So, see if Ezekiel Elliott gets it back with Dak Prescott back at quarterback and a little more, a little more of a threat in the passing game, opening things up for him. Arizona Cardinals star pass rusher Chandler Jones has requested a trade. He's been unhappy with his contract, missed the offseason as a result. Cardinals don't want to trade Jones. Expect him to report to camp, which begins tomorrow for the Cardinals. If you don't report, well, then you can get fined. And Deshaun Watson didn't want to get fined, so he showed up on time. Under the NFL's new collective bargaining agreement, teams can no longer forgive fines. Watson would have been fined $50,000 for every day he was absent from camp despite his desire to be traded and also having 22 active lawsuits against him alleging sexual assault and inappropriate behavior. You know the theory that when you trade a star player, this is true in the NFL, although it's more an NBA thing, but it's still true in the NFL. When you trade a star player, you don't get full value back. That's especially true if if your player has 22 active lawsuits against him. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. New Pac-12 commissioner George Klavkov told ESPN on Friday his conference is not actively seeking new members, but is open to discussions with potential candidates. His quote, I consider the Pac-12 an exclusive club with a high barrier to entry. We love the schools and the teams we have today. We're not actively seeking to poach any teams from any conference, but we'd be foolish not to listen if schools call us. So basically he left everything in play there. Sucked up, sucked up to his, uh, his new bosses. Hey, we're an exclusive club. You're not out there soliciting, but realistically left the door open. I'm not sure if we want Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and Kansas, but hey, if they call us, we'd have to figure out who the fourth would be because those are the only three who really fit. Baylor, no chance. No chance. TCU, probably not. Doesn't carry all the baggage Baylor carries, but I just don't think private schools look that good to the Pac-12. And looking for research institutions and all that, Kansas is the only one that really fits academically. Now, athletically, do they need Oklahoma State and Texas Tech? As Barry Trammell told us, longtime reporter and now columnist in Oklahoma City, Hey, makes you more valuable as a TV network. Now you can play in four time windows. You can play those early games in the central time zone and then play late night on the West Coast and play all day long. So the Pac-12 is doing math, seeing how much value those schools bring, and then we'll have to see if, if they're coming. Oklahoma and Texas, the Big 12 Executive Committee, met with the presidents of Texas on Sunday amid speculation that two schools intend to leave for the SEC. The quote afterwards, my gosh, Bob Bowlesby, in a statement, yikes, just put on the boots and wait in, folks. The pen has to, the corral's got to be cleaned. The meeting was cordial, and the executive committee expressed a willingness to discuss proposals that would strengthen the conference and be mutually beneficial to OU and UT, as well as other member institutions of the conference. I expect we will continue our conversations in the days ahead and look forward to discussing thoughts, ideas, and concepts that may be of shared interest and impact. Yeah, man, that's why I put the waiters on it all the way up uh, to the hip. PR people, I need you to craft something for me. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so basically, Texas and Oklahoma get more than a full share. That's it. Got to find a way to get more money. One and a half shares. One and a half shares. But if you do the math, 
If you lose Oklahoma and Texas, what's the payout going to be? If you stay together, how much are they going to give you? And by the way, as soon as you're done with the executive committee meeting, then West Virginia calls the ACC, Kansas calls the Big Ten, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech call the Pac-12. What can we get if we come? And that's what it comes down to. How much money are worth of you guys? How much money do we have to give Oklahoma and Texas to keep them to stay? Or do Oklahoma and Texas say we just need the prestige of the SEC? This is going on. It's always going to be like this. Barry, Barry Trammell laid out the money. Well, they're getting about $30 million and the SEC's getting about 44 And if they join them, then everybody gets a little over 60 Share and a half? Two shares? What does it take? Because they're calling ESPN, too, right now. Does our payday go down to $20 million a year? Does it go down to 15 Does it go down to 10 What if we had BYU? What if we had BYU in Houston? What if we had Houston and Memphis? What if we had BYU, Houston, Memphis, and Cincinnati? I mean, they're going through all the permutations. The ADs and the presidents are about to earn their money right now. They are running some numbers right now. Arizona State tight ends coach Adam Brenneman is on paid administrative leave amid an NCAA investigation of possible recruiting violations the university confirmed last night. So he thought that this was going to wait for the end of the season, or at least late in the season? Eh, maybe not. Other coaches being looked at. Who else is going to go? Tight ends coach, you're a recruiter. Big time. Big time. So we'll see where this goes from Arizona State. This is a... Uh, The beginning, not the end, I think most people expect. But what is the end? An excellent question. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Swing on a ground ball. Backhanded by Keeboom. Coming to the plate. The throw. The tag. Safe. He's safe. And the Orioles have walked it off. Ryan McKenna scores. The Orioles are celebrating right around first base. Teammate of his. Will Smith hits a high fly ball to slight left center field. It is carrying. It is gone. A home run. Will Smith puts the Dodgers in front. Three to two. Tani, right field, a laser, and it's gone. 35. Shohei, Showtime in Minneapolis, 35th home run. That ball's crushed. Okay, Yak, in the next segment, find the Twins broadcast because that's what we were given uh, on our feed for TV, and we played it night and day. Night and day. So I can find it. It is classic going back and forth. You can cut the two together. You don't need the whole thing, but oh my gosh. Yeah, the Minnesota announcers are a little less than excited. That was a 2 2 game in the sixth inning. Otani homered. The Angels got three in the ninth and they won six to two. Otani's got 35. That gives him three more homers than anybody else in the major leagues. Uh, you also heard in there Will Smith break a 2 2 tie for the Dodgers. His solo homer in the eighth. Dodgers beat the Rockies 3-2. Chris Taylor had hit solo shots in the first and the fifth inning. Dodgers get the win. They keep pace with the Giants. Lamont Wade Jr. Homer twice to power the Giants to net a, yet another win as their, uh, as their surprise season, their incredible season continues. They salvaged that game against the uh, against Pittsburgh Pirates. The weirdest game of the day, Yankees 
and Red Sox. Domingo Herman is throwing a no-hitter. He is dealing through seven innings. And they're up four to nothing. But he gives up a leadoff double in the eighth. So they take him out. He's probably passed his pitch count and all that. And they go to the bullpen. And the bullpen was horrific. It was a disaster. And the Red Sox scored five times in the eighth inning. And they come back and beat the Yankees. So it goes from no-no headed into the eighth. Everyone in New York feeling good. And the Fenway crowd all down. Like, are we going to break this thing up? Or are we going to get no hit? And then the Yankee bullpen comes in and throws gas on that baby. And the Red Sox win the game with five in the eighth. You Darvish roughed up. Miami beats San Diego 9-3. Darvish falls to 7-5. and five. The Padres trading three prospects, apparently, to the Pirates. Sources tell multiple reporters. And the Padres trying to acquire Adam Frazier. So they get an all-star at second baseman. Which is weird because the Padres have an all-star second baseman. But Cronenworth can play first base. He can DH. I think there's a thought that he could play left field if he had to. He pitched in college at Michigan. He's played some shortstop. So he's an all-star second baseman, but jack of all trades. They'll find another spot for him in the lineup. They'll get his bat in the lineup. First base, I think, though, is the uh, is the plan right now. So Padres had a bat. And if, they, if this actually goes through, Frazier's 29. He signed for another year and a half. That will be an awesome infield. That'll be four bats in the infield, big time. With Manny Machado at third and Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop. Bees lost 10 to 6 to the Las Vegas Aviators. Same two teams square off again. Smith's ballpark. Get your tickets at SLBs.com. Coverage begins at 6:15 here on the zone. Hashtag RSL. Real Salt Lake beats Colorado Rapids 3-0. The first goal, an own goal. Horrific at the feet of Yarborough. I watched it happen and I couldn't believe it was happening. He looked up. Fender played the ball back to him. He looked up, it trickled off his feet, threw his legs into the goal. He ran around, tried to save it, almost got there, but the whole ball got all the way over the line and it was a gift. And then Bobby Wood with a great goal in the counterattack. Rubio Rabin came off the bench and matched him with a nice goal late. And that's it. RSL with the win over Colorado. They jump into seventh place. They're only five points out of third place. And those four draws at home have cost them eight points. The loss at home to San Jose is driving them nuts. Shouldn't have happened. Well, in the loss to LAFC at Probably at home shouldn't have happened either. It's easy to play woulda, coulda, shoulda, and pull five points back. And you can pull more than that. But they're in seventh, not in third. So that's the way it is. And RSL hitting the road now. Three games. And the first one's the easiest one. That's the one they got to get against the Dynamo. They got a lot of depth now. Menendez made his debut. He looks sharp on the ball. Nutmegging guys. Blowing by. He just, he wants to turn and take guys on one-on-one. You want the ball at his feet. It's exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. And every coach is going to be saying there's got to be a second defender off the shoulder. Cannot leave guys one-on-one on an island against this, this, this guy. So it'll be Houston 
L.A., the Galaxy, and then Portland. Three games on the road in eight days starting next Saturday in Houston. And Houston should be the easiest of those three games. But they got the depth to rotate through guys. And multiple guys for positions, so it's not like they ought to be helpless in the next two, but the first one is the one they really need to get. Team USA beat Jamaica. 1-0 is now the scoreline. That's it. They played four games in the Gold Cup, and they've won three of them. 1-0. They beat Martinique 6-1. But everybody else, 1-0. 83rd minute before they got that goal to beat Jamaica. They're on to the semifinals to face Qatar on Thursday. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, host of the Podcast of Champions at 8.05. We'll look ahead to Pac-12 Media Day, see what he thinks of the potential expansion targets with Oklahoma and Texas. Flirting, or more than that, with the SEC. Steve Cleveland, DJ, and PK's Basketball Insider here at 9 o'clock to talk draft and to talk about locks theory. And we just replayed that for you this morning. If you missed it on Thursday, it's up at 1280thezone.com along with every hour of every show and all the interviews pulled out so you can listen to whatever you want at 1280thezone.com or wherever you get podcasts. But David Locke, I ran the theory by him that they've got four years and the only thing he said is, yeah, uh, three. With Donovan... And with Rudy Gobert, they might have more than three. You have to see how it plays out. I mean, if you're trying to repeat as defending champs after three, maybe everybody's got a different attitude. But I got a plan. I got to be all in the next three years. So do you want to draft a rookie? Is there someone who's really going to help you in the playoffs in the next three years? Or do you want to use that roster spot and that little bit of salary to go get one more veteran who can come off the bench and, and help you with one matchup in a tight spot in a series? We'll run all that by Steve Cleveland at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, Craig Thompson. When I talk to the football players, I'm going to say, guys, I understand it. You're American. It's your God-given right. You choose. Vaccinate. Don't vaccinate. But if you do not vaccinate, there is a cause and effect. There will be consequences. You will test. You will contact trace. You know, the coaches were even talking to the point that uh, I've got this player who's not vaccinated. Maybe I'll run him with threes and a fours because I don't know if he'll be good to go Saturday. And I got a guy who's a half step slower and two inches shorter, but he's vaccinated and I know he'll be able to play. So, son, jump up there and run with the ones and twos because you're on the plane. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 80 the zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert for a free quote and all your roofing needs. Call SNS Roofing. Question of the morning. Rudy Gobert in France beat the USA in the Olympic opener for both teams. Your reaction. Mary Ann says USA actually looked like the Jazz in the last few games of the playoffs. Like, you knew they have the talent, but they didn't pull it together. Gave up a 16-2 run with a game on the line. Marianne, I see why you see parallels. Michael says the USA team has no heart. They're a bunch of prima donnas who don't care about their country. It's one basketball game. I mean, they'd won 25 in a row. Did they stop caring about their country since 2016?
Nicholas says USA basketball team sucks this year. Exclamation point. Once I saw Draymond Green was on the team, I knew they weren't going to be good. Actually, Nicholas, Draymond Green is the kind of guy they need on the team. I get the logic of putting him on the team. They don't need a dozen of the highest scores, guys who can just light it up. And there's one basketball, everybody can't shoot it. So you need someone who defends and rebounds, and you need someone who's a versatile defender. Because you are certainly going to have to chase five guys around the three-point line in the international game. So without question, I, mean, I get why they got Draymond on the train, team. That wasn't, that wasn't a red flag for me when I saw that. Denise, too bad Rudy didn't play that well in the last three games of the playoffs. Jazz fans are seeing all kinds of parallels here. Although they're pulling for Rudy, Martin says, go Rudy. I can't root for France against the USA. I could root for France in all the other games. I'm hardwired to root for the USA. Adele, they had like four open shots to win it at the end of the game, and they bricked each of them. Yeah, they actually missed their last nine shots, five on one possession in a 21-second span. And the right guys had shots. Lillard had a look, and Duran had a look. A little more pressure there. Dominique is probably on to something here. NBA has become a spectacle of easy scoring because crowds demand high-scoring games. International basketball is much more competitive and less showboating. My son and I are betting the USA won't even make it out of round one. Okay, I was with you there for a while, Dominique, but then you lost me at the end. This is a forgiving format. There's 12 teams. There's three groups of four. The top two in every group advance and two of the three third-place teams advance. That's pretty forgiving. The U.S. has its problems, and they have their flaws, but they ought to beat Iran on Wednesday, and Iran ought to finish fourth. So I don't think they're going to lose to the Czech Republic next Saturday, but even if they do, two of the three third-place teams are going to advance. So look for the USA to pour it on Wednesday and win big. Scott, send them home. They don't care. I think they care. All we hear about these elite players is they're competitive. They want to beat their grandma checkers. Score is being kept. It's the Olympics. They don't want to lose. Now, the they don't care part is interesting because it's a definitive statement. I don't believe it. However, Scott, if you attacked one word onto the end of it, just one word, they don't care, comma, enough. Uh, Okay, now you open the door to being right, Scott. You're one word away, Scott. And this doesn't just go to the 12 guys who are there. This goes to the whole pool of players. If they cared more, if they cared as much as players on other teams, and we've heard Joe on this show talk about how much he cares. And we've talked about the clip, and it's out there if you want to see it, where Luka Doncic is asked, if you had to pick, do you want an NBA title or Olympic gold? And he giggles, and he pauses, and he kind of says, well, Olympic gold. And then he giggles again, and he goes, if I get Olympic gold, I want both. The two don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think more and more it's occurring to international players that they aren't. 
The timing didn't work out for Antetokounmpo this year. He couldn't help Greece qualify because he's in the NBA playoffs. But when they get back in the regular cycle, the qualifying won't happen the same summer. It'll happen the year before, and he'll be able to do it. So I think what you see with the U.S. is how many players are older and don't want to play again? How many players are willing to play in the Olympics but aren't willing to play in what used to be the World Championship and is now called the World Cup of Basketball? Because one of the quotes after the game, Evan Fournier says, um, they've got good players, but we can be better as a team. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's the gist of his quote. And that goes, here it is. They are better individually, but they can be beaten as a team. Fournier knows the French guys played together in the World Cup. They played together in most cases in the last Olympics. Joe talked about how he's now, with some of his teammates, three or four Olympics deep. And they don't skip cycles. They don't do it. And the U.S. does. Now we've got more players. And our guys care. Guys like to go to the Olympics and win the gold because a lot of players have done it. But do they want to stay together for multiple cycles? They get later in their career. You know, LeBron's not on this team. Chris Paul is not on this team. Steph Curry is not on this team. And we can go down a list of guys who would help the U.S. if they were on this team. So they don't care. That's too harsh. Uh, They don't care enough to play multiple summers. Uh, You're on to something there. And that's the advantage that the Australians, the French, the Spanish can use to close the gap is they play together and not just for one summer, depending on their ages, for multiple summers, and in the case of Joe, over a decade. And that pays off. That matters. It helps. You get used to the rules. You get used to your teammates. You get used to how you play as a group. I suppose the U.S. being thrown together like an all-star team. Now, the U.S. got away from that after they lost three times in Athens and took home the bronze medal. They got a group of guys together, and it wasn't exactly, but it was largely the same team from what was then the World Championship into the 2008 Olympics, and they cruised. And this year, we know a lot of guys chose not to go. And obviously, with the pandemic, I mean, this is, this is weird. I mean, playing the Olympics in an odd year, so <laughs> you know this is weird. But to the bigger picture, our guys are going to play together for two or three summers. I mean, the U.S. has so much talent, I just don't see guys playing together the way Joe has played with some of his Australian teammates. But Evan Fournier went right to it. They are better individually, but they can be beaten as a team. And they've been beaten once. If they win the next five games, it's a footnote and it won't matter. Sure, it ended a 25-game win, Olympic win streak. You don't get anything for that. You win your next five games, and literally everybody's thinking this, if we win the next five games, we win the gold medal. That's true for everybody, and it's still true for the U.S. because this is a forgiving format, and that one loss doesn't sink everything. But nobody's intimidated playing the U.S. right now. France isn't. You know Australia isn't going to be if they run into the Australians. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Ryan Abraham, USCFootball.com, host of the podcast of Champions. What does he think 
of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. What has he heard? What does he think of the Pac-12 adding teams like Oklahoma State and Texas Tech? How many of the remaining eight would look attractive to the Pac-12? What should the Pac-12 do now? And Media Day. Yuck! Media Day's tomorrow. It is here. We'll talk with Ryan about uh, how he expects the Pac-12 to shake out. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, stay with us.